Dedicated missionary service returns a dividend of eternal joy, which extends throughout mortality and into eternity. I want it absolutely clear that I declared to the world in the most straightforward language I could summon that the Book of Mormon is true. True disciples of Jesus Christ are willing to stand out, speak up, and be different. If you're not a full-time missionary with a missionary badge pinned on your coat, now is the time to paint one on your heart. God has something unimaginable in mind for you personally and the church collectively. A marvelous work and a wonder. In this church, what we know will always trump what we do not know. Missionary work is an identifying feature of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Always has it been, ever shall it be. Let us be awake and not be wary of well-doing, for we are laying the foundation of a great work, even preparing for the return of the Savior. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm hoping that so far you feel that the content that I'm putting out is helpful to you guys. Well, who am I kidding? Of course it's helpful. I guess what I mean to say that I hope it jives with you. I hope that you're walking away feeling inspired and just better equipped as a missionary. If not, then just tell me about it. I want to know what you guys think. If you have any suggestions or if you're finding that the podcast has been really helpful to you, let me know about it. You all know the drill. You can get a hold of me either through the Instagram page or just send me a quick email. And guys, go check out the last episode that I did on church history if you haven't listened to it yet. I felt it was a really important topic and it was one that I saved for a long time because I wanted to do it right. I wish I would have known about a lot of the things that I shared in that episode when I was preparing for my mission. So go check it out if you haven't yet. Okay, are you ready to dive in today's topic? Because I sure am. Let's do this. So when you are all out on the field and you're finding people to teach, depending on where you're serving, most likely you are going to run into many, many people who are part of another religion. In most places of the world, religious practices and beliefs are just part of their culture. Just like how Utah has a really strong Mormon culture, like you can't come to Utah without running into at least a few of us, right? Other places in the world are going to be similar but with other religions or belief systems. As a missionary, it'll be really fun for you to dive into and become part of those cultures in some way. And there's no reason you should be afraid of this. Guys, this doesn't mean that you have to abandon your own beliefs. In fact, it should strengthen your faith when you take note of how other people practice theirs. What you'll find is that as you learn about other people's beliefs and practices, is that you'll begin thinking about your own faith and how you practice it. As you make it a point as a missionary to get to know other people and how they believe, you'll gain a deeper appreciation and understanding of your own faith. You will see on a deeper level that everyone truly is a child of the same God and that they all have a deep yearning to return to him. It's really a beautiful experience and that's a realization that I came to when I was on my mission. There's this guy who coined the term holy envy, which basically means that it's totally okay for anyone who is part of one religion to have some envy for how other religions do things. In fact, this guy that I'm referring to coined this term as a reaction to a practice that we do in our church. In 1985, Christer Stendhal, the man who came up with this whole holy envy idea, was the bishop of the Church of Sweden, and Latter-day Saints were building a new temple in his area at the time. 
Some of the locals had objections to this, and so they brought their objections up in a press conference in Stockholm where Stendhal gave them three suggestions to calm some of their fears about this new temple going up. And I think that what he says applies to anyone of any religion, not just the people of his religion that he was addressing at the time. So first, he suggested that if you want to learn about another religion, ask its followers, not its enemies or critics. I love this idea because it goes against how we research pretty much everything else. Like when we are looking to buy a product, we typically are going to look for all the bad reviews before we get to the good ones. We want to know everything that is bad about it before we try to find anything else out. And maybe this is something that is just natural for us. And I think that's what we do when we try to find something out about other people, or in this case, other religious groups. So I love that he is suggesting to his followers essentially to put off the tendencies of a natural man and hear out the friends of our church rather than just listening to all the gossip. Second, he said not to compare your best to their worst. So he's asking his congregation not to compare their best moments to Latter-day Saints' worst moments. And we all know that there are plenty of those. Like, this makes sense, right? I don't know why we do that sometimes. Like, everyone's got dirt, but why does it make sense to compare our own shining moments to someone else's rock bottom? I mean, we wouldn't want anyone else to do that to us, so we should be careful of our own judgments. Okay, and third, he said to leave room for holy envy. This is such an amazing idea because it allows for people to accept their differences with others, but also have respect and even give praise for some of those differences. In the case of this humble bishop of the Church of Sweden, he loves that we practice baptisms for the dead in the temple. He acknowledged that this was something that the Apostle Paul talked about in the New Testament, and so he is fascinated at the idea that this is something that we do in our church. In his own words, he has some holy envy for some of the things that Latter-day Saints believe and practice. And for him, that's totally okay. It doesn't mean that he has to jump ship with his own religion or beliefs. So how could we maybe adopt this idea of holy envy ourselves? Like for me, something that I love about how other Christians worship is just the amount of praise they have for Jesus Christ and how they show that praise. For real, I am totally envious about how Christian people in the South have bands playing at church and that they can shout amen or hallelujah basically whenever they want. I freaking love that. I love that culture. That's something that they really have going for them. And because of that, I want to look for ways that I can show the same level of praise and adoration for Jesus Christ. And no, this doesn't have to mean that I'm not loyal to the church or have to leave it because I might think that other churches do some things better. It just means that there are great examples out there elsewhere and that I don't have to live in this box that says, because I'm a Mormon, I can only do Mormon things. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie, The Sons of Provo. If you haven't, it's kind of like this mockumentary about BYU acapella groups. Anyway, one of the main characters talks about how he loves to meditate like how a monk would. And he has this book called Mormons Can Be Buddhists Too. It's just hilarious. I think it's just good to laugh at ourselves and our culture sometimes because we can do some pretty funny things. Another religious practice that I really envy is the Jewish Passover feast. Like, I understand that Christians don't celebrate Passover because we celebrate Passion Week, but I think Passover is still something that is really important to remember. And to us, the Passover is really symbolic of Christ's blood cleansing us from our sins. I want to be careful here because I don't want to take away anything from Jewish Passover traditions, but I think it would be so cool if we did something like that for Passion Week. Like, all of my favorite holidays are the ones that you basically celebrate them for a week or even a whole month. Like, the best holidays are the ones that have a good lead-up to it. So why don't we do that with Easter? I mean, we have Palm Sunday, Gethsemane on Thursday, Good Friday, and then Easter Sunday. 
but Easter Sunday is the only one that we actually celebrate. I know that's the most important one, but wouldn't it be a good idea to think about some of the other important things that happened in the previous week? If it were up to me, I think all of Christianity should have some special tradition to remember all of those days. And then that makes Easter one of those great lead-up holidays too. Maybe I should start a petition and give it to the head honcho saying that we need those days off work and school to celebrate. I'm sure it wouldn't be too hard to get enough signatures for that, right? One other thing that I love about how people of other religions do certain things is how Muslims pray. Like when they pray, they get on their knees and bow their head all the way down to the ground. They literally prostrate themselves and to me, that's such a strong symbol showing their reverence for prayer. For them, it is such a sacred act of worship and they won't be casual about it. They go above and beyond to show God how special it is to be able to speak to him. And they do this several times throughout the day. And then on occasion, there's me over here, too lazy to roll out of bed and get on my knees, so I just lay there looking up at the ceiling while I pray. Like, when I see how they pray, I think about how I can make prayer a more special thing in my life. Does this mean that I have to go and be a Muslim? Probably not. But what it does mean is that it's a really good practice to acknowledge some of the lovely things that other people do, even if they might believe differently than you do. You might even find that you have some of this holy envy yourself. When I was a new missionary, I'd hardly been aware of any other religious group really. Growing up in Utah, I didn't really think about other religions, and I hardly associated with anyone else who belonged to a different religion. Not that I didn't want to, but that's just kind of what happens with these things. Naturally, you're going to group yourself with whatever group you belong to. As a new missionary though, I really wished I would have gone out of my way earlier in my life to get to know people who believed differently than I did. I wished I would have learned more about how other people worship God or what they believed about God. I wanted to see their perspective. Whenever me and my companion would be out tracting or something and we would get rejected by someone, it was really hard for me because I worried so much that they wouldn't make it to heaven or something because they didn't want the gospel. What I eventually came to understand though is that so many of those good people most likely were demonstrating their faith the best way they knew how and that God praises them for whatever good they do do, regardless if they rejected the missionaries or not. When I got to know people who embraced their own faith, I had this sweet assurance that even if they didn't accept the fullness of the gospel now, eventually they would, because God is going to give everyone that chance as many times as it takes. There was something that I once heard John, by the way, say, I can't remember exactly where, but he said something along the lines of, it's not about who has your membership, but who has your heart. When I first heard that, it was like fireworks going off in my head. It was so profound, but it made everything so simple. We have so many good Christian brothers and sisters all around the world, and whether they have membership in this church or not, all that really matters at the end of the day is who has their heart. When that is put into place, the Lord will work miracles in their lives, and one day they will all be up there right along with us in the highest kingdom of glory. I'm just so sure of that. There is this great section in chapter 3 of Preach My Gospel that talks about reformers and other world religious leaders. Something that will be really important for you to remember as a missionary is that God can direct and inspire and give truth to anyone, regardless if they are a member of the church or not. It gives great examples of Christian reformers like John Wycliffe and William Tyndale who were inspired to do things to prepare the world for the restoration. It also gives great examples of other religious leaders who weren't Christian. It says, quote, Just as the Christian world was blessed by the courage and vision of the reformers, many other nations and cultures have been blessed by those who were given that portion that God seeth fit that they should have. 
Teachings of other religious leaders have helped many people become more civil and ethical. Preach My Gospel cites how people like Buddha, Confucius, and Muhammad were all inspired in different ways to make the world a better place. I just love that learning about other religions and belief systems kind of show how God is working with everyone to try and bring them the fullness of the truth. After serving a mission and for meeting people from so many different backgrounds, I was able to see those other perspectives and that only made my own faith more authentic. It gave me a reason for why I believe the way I believed. When you can learn as a missionary to see and appreciate how someone else might believe something differently than you do, you'll understand that you're not there to take away from anything that they already have, but to build upon it. I really think that one of the most effective things that you can do as a missionary, like instead of just trying to convert people, is to find out what they hold sacred and find out what they believe and help them see that what you are there to do is to give them more. And when you show a sincere interest in them as a person, they're going to be more receptive to what you have to share. So many of us just want to be understood. We just want everyone else to get us and to see or agree with what we are thinking, and so we disregard what someone else might have to share. That's not the way to be a missionary, guys. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland taught, More important than speaking is listening. These people are not lifeless objects disguised as a baptismal statistic. They are children of God, our brothers and sisters, and they need what we have. Be genuine. Reach out sincerely. Ask these friends what matters most to them. What do they cherish? What do they hold dear? And then listen. If the setting is right, you might ask what their fears are, what they yearn for, or what they feel is missing in their lives. I promise you that something in what they say will always highlight a truth of the gospel about which you can bear testimony and about which you can then offer more. If we listen with love, we won't need to wonder what to say. It will be given to us by the Spirit and by our friends. So guys, instead of just trying to be understood, we need to try and understand as missionaries. That's the way to a person's heart. So as a missionary, take advantage of the opportunity to learn more about what other people believe and give yourself some room for some good old holy envy. Never judge a person for rejecting you or get discouraged just because they are already part of another religion. Instead, you can focus on the great parts about those religions and your investigators might even be able to teach you about how to live your own even better. Remember that it's not so important who has their membership as to who has their hearts. Thank you, Hall, for joining me on this one. I hope that you found something that was helpful for you. Remember, as always, that you guys are awesome and that you've got this. I'll catch you next time. Peace.